So glad you chose to join us today. Every Sunday, just about 10 o'clock, we gather together and we lift our hands in praise. We focus on a God that is so amazing and so real. And we try to help you see God more clearly. Today is no different. We've been studying the book of John, so if you want to open your Bibles to John chapter 15, or open your flat screens there, we're in the 32nd week of our study in John. And we're getting to a place where Jesus is sharing his heart with his disciples around a table. He's been there for a while, and he's literally going to be there for the next few chapters. But Christ himself is hours away from beatings and mockings and eventually death on a cross. This night in particular, though, has been, well, confusing for the disciples. They're a little bit frazzled. Their master had just washed their feet and told them to literally be a servant just like he was. That didn't make any sense. And then Jesus knew of this confusion and and laid out in the first part of John 14, said, hey, just trust me. You've trusted me for the last three years. I want you to just keep trusting me. Today, and even for the future, even though you may not understand all that's going to happen the next few days and actually the next few months, maybe even the next few years. Then Jesus made a promise, a promise that was way too good to be true. He said this, if you or anyone else continue to trust in me, you will do the same works, even greater works that I have done. As soon as I leave, you'll minister and preach like I have ministered and preached, and your impact will be even greater than mine. The disciples were listening to this, maybe even more confused, but anxious and wondering. Jesus went on and just encouraged them, saying that faith and prayer and obedience is going to be critical and crucial for this mission. Now Jesus shifts gears in actual chapter 15. Now I think you all know that Jesus didn't talk in chapters. All right. He was around the table and his words just continued to flow. But it seemed like he started going down a different path in John 15. He begins to focus on relationships and actually even joy. Today, we're going to focus on a believer's relationship with Christ. A person who's come to faith, a person who's recognized that he or she had to have their sins paid for on the cross and have trusted Jesus and his work on the cross so that that relationship has begun. Next week, we're going to look at a believer's relationship with other believers in the world. But as the disciples listen today, Jesus wanted to make it perfectly clear 
that fulfillment would only happen if they continued their relationship with him. They would only experience joy if they walked with and pleased the king. If they could remain in his loving arms and they did life with Jesus. Jesus wanted his disciples to experience the joy of intimacy. They could have joy in spite of any other circumstances or any circumstances that came into their lives. And he knew that their road was going to be rough. So let's listen in on Christ's conversations to his disciples. I've asked my friend Steve to read the scripture. If you don't have a Bible, you can focus up on the screen up front. But we're going to be reading from John chapter 15, starting at verse 1. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you, even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Let's pray. Father, we're just grateful again to be able to come into your presence, to be able to hear well, your words today, we know your words are life-giving. We know that your spirit is active. We know, Father, that there's going to be conviction. There's going to be encouragement. And Lord, although all your words are important, it, it just feels like these last few words as you sat around this table to your disciples seem extra important. So I pray, Father, that we would be able to understand what you're saying, that we would be able to apply, that we'd be able to learn. Father, we pray for all the other churches in our area. We ask you especially, Father, for Grace Point and Northbridge, and we know, God, that they are teaching your word, and we pray at this moment that their flock would be richly fed that they would be salt and light in their communities. We pray for all the rest of the churches in Lake County and in Cook and in Illinois and, and all over our country and world. 
We know, God, that your word is being taught. We know that believers are gathering, even now, praising and worshiping you. And we pray, Lord, that your kingdom would come. We love you and desire deeply for you to open up our eyes today, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, in our text today, it's important to hear what Jesus is saying and actually what he is not saying. The disciples understood vineyards. Jesus uses this viticultural illustration and gives it a spiritual bent. Jesus is talking to his pruned and purified disciples. The point of his passage, of his teaching, is about fellowship. It's not about sonship. The vineyard was a vivid image for the Hebrew people at that time. All the way through the Older Testament, Jesus, excuse me, God would use his prophets and they would talk about Israel as a vineyard, but oftentimes in the negative where Israel didn't listen and wasn't able to produce and just suffered greatly because of their disobedience. So Jesus gives a brighter picture. He gives a hope. And he starts off in verse 1, I am the true grapevine. I am the vine. Now, the vine's responsibility, and I've tried to put all these just kind of uh, as clearly as I can, but the vine's responsibility is to give nutrients to the branches. That's what the vine does. Then in the next few words, Jesus says this, and my father is the gardener. My father is the vine dresser. Now, the gardener or the vine dresser has one responsibility, and that is to help the vine grow. Now, apart from planting, fertilizing, and watering the vine, the vine dresser had two primary responsibilities in caring for it. First, he removed the branches that didn't bear fruit. Secondly, he pruned the ones that did bear fruit, thus enabling that vine and those branches to bear even more fruit. John MacArthur says this. He says, The first pruning in Israel occurs in the spring when vines were in the flowering stage. This involved four operations. The removal of the growing tips of vigorous shoots so they would not grow too rapidly. Secondly, cutting off one or two feet from the end of the branches or growing shoots to prevent the entire shoots to be broken off by the elements or by weight. Thirdly, the removal of some flower or grape clusters so that those left could produce more and a better quality fruit. And fourthly, the removal of suckers that arose from above the ground or from the trunk in the main branches so that the strength of the vine was literally sucked dry. Warren Wiersbe former pastor of Moody Church, he said this, the vine dresser prunes the branches in two ways. 
He simply cuts away dead wood that can breed disease and insects, and he cuts away living tissue so that the life of the vine will not be so dissipated, that the quality of the crop will not be jeopardized. In fact, the vine dresser will even cut away whole bunches of grapes so that the rest of the crop will either be of higher quality. God desires both quantity and quality. Now, Jesus is describing his father. He's describing his dad. He knows his dad so very, very well. And he says, my dad, my father, is the best and the wisest gardener there is. Now, every once in a while, we take a stab at it. And as I spend time with you folks, I'm realizing I really did grow up in this city. I'm not sure what you're supposed to cut and what you're not supposed to cut, you know. And I do know this, that there's an art and that those who really know what they're doing know when to snip and when to care and when to prop up. Well, what Jesus is saying is that my father is the best. Whatever he does is perfect for the vine for the branches. In fact, maturity often determines, I think, God's strategy for each one of us. How long we've walked with God, I think, helps us understand exactly even what God does. In a real vineyard, for the first three years, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but the vine dresser literally doesn't allow any fruit to be... Um, germinated. And what happens is he just trims that aside and he, and he makes sure that on that fourth year there's going to be enough nutrients so that the grapes can really form. You see, God sets up the branch well so that the branch will bear fruit. Verse 2, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches so that they do bear fruit and produce even more. It's all about fruit. And I want you to look at that first few words in verse number two, where he says he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Now, most translations... Um, will take that Greek word, which is arrow, and translate it cut off or take away. Yet the primary meaning of arrow is literally to lift up. Both Charles Swindoll and the Moody Bible commentary, who uh, Mr. Van Lanningham was your former pastor here, he's a co-editor, both of them lean toward the translation of lifting up. And to me, that makes a whole lot more sense as I read the Scripture. Because what Jesus is focusing on right now is trying to, well, encourage the branch in the best way possible to bear as much fruit as possible. Now, what happens back, especially in Israel, the vine dressers, they would walk along the vines and one of their main responsibilities would be taking the branches, 
that would be laying on the ground and all muddy and all dirty. And they would have twine with them and they'd have other types of things to be able to lift up that branch. It's literally in Israel called training. All right. And so I think really this is what Jesus is saying. My father wants to lift up Every branch that's being trampled, every branch that's not able to bear fruit, every branch that's, that's too heavy or too in a, in a position that's poor, and, and to be able to lift that up, attach it back to the trellis, allow the sun to be able to get it and bear fruit. I think both translations can work. But I just lean toward the lifting up because it just feels like that's exactly what God wants to do, is to help us. Then he says he prunes every branch because it's about fruit. It's about fruit. Now, how does God prune? We all know what pruning is. It's literally taking these pruning shears and nipping off different parts of a plant so that that plant might be able to grow healthy and produce fruit. So how does God prune? Well, he removes anything that would sap our spiritual energy and hinder fruit. He would take away any dead stems or shoots any place in our lives where there would be a pathway of disease. He would, take, he, would, he would snip away anything good that would hinder a great harvest. And he snips away anything that encourages self-dependence rather than on God-dependence. There are critical pruning or discipline texts all the way through the scriptures. But if you want to mark in your notes in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 7 through 11, there the author of Hebrews talks about discipline and how, well, anyone who's part of God's family, God literally wants them and to encourage them to be, well, the son or the daughter that he intended None of us like pruning, especially if we look at our lives and we feel like we are bearing fruit. Like, hey, I am serving. Hey, there is some things that are happening in my life. Hey, God, why would you want a mess? I'm pretty comfortable right now. Let's not take those royal shears out. But again, Warren Wiersbe said this, he said, your heavenly father is never nearer to you than when he's pruning you or me. Sometimes he cuts away the dead wood that might cause trouble, but oftentimes he cuts away that living tissue. Pruning does not simply mean spiritual surgery that removes what is bad. It also means cutting away the good and the better so we might enjoy the best. Oh. Do you realize that God cares and loves us so very, very much? He is so happy when we respond to him and we become a son or a daughter through faith. But more than that, he's designed each one of us to enjoy a deep and a rich relationship. 
He knows that as we stay connected with Him and love Him, that our lives will be full and abundant. So then, we look. Believers are the branches. And this is where we're going to focus the majority of our message. Our responsibility, those who are part of God's family, is to stay connected to the vine. That's it. Stay connected to the vine. You mean you don't have to go to church? You have to do all those Ten Commandments? You don't have to... Well, let's not go too crazy here. Let's remind ourselves what Jesus was literally saying to these guys. He's saying, hey, I want you to remain in me. The Greek word here is called meno. And it's always used to describe something that remains where it is. It continues in a fixed state or it endures. In this context, the word refers to maintaining an unbroken communion with Jesus Christ. I don't know how many of you have ever used super glue. All right. Super glue is like the greatest invention that has ever happened. The problem with super glue is that sometimes it's a little runny, right? And so you're trying to hold whatever your, you know, your broken glasses together and you put the super glue on there and for some reason they get on your fingers. And as soon as you get it on your fingers, you pull it away quickly and you put those fingers together like You're not thinking. And as soon as you put your fingers together, oh my word. Like, now what am I going to do here? You know, like, this is not coming apart. Now when you read what Jesus is saying, I want you to think of super glue. What Jesus literally is asking you, remain connected. In this case, listen, understand my word, and obey it. If you remain in him, if you get super glued to him, which simply means you are obeying him. Jesus said, you show your love for God by the way that you obey You bear fruit. Your life reflects God and points people to Him. Fruit only happens when you stay connected. Fruit is God's responsibility. I think so many times that we forget that our job as believers is to stay connected to the vine. Period. It is not our job to be kinder. It is not our job to be more loving. It's not our job to be more generous or more compassionate. It's our privilege and job to stay connected. And when we stay connected to the vine, we begin to bear God fruit. We start reflecting God better and better as we live our lives. But again, fruit only happens when you stay connected. I'll say, well, Rick, what does fruit actually look like? Well, it looks like Jesus. You are kidding me. 
Are, are, are you saying that that is what I am supposed to be reflecting to other people? And the answer actually is yes. As each one of us have an opportunity to stay connected to God, he begins to, in his holy, with the Holy Spirit, to be able to chip away areas in our life that don't reflect God well. And enables us to do things that we normally would never be able to do in our own power. You see, there is some specific fruit certainly mentioned in Galatians 5. There's fruit of, well, us not being connected. The scripture calls that flesh. All right? And this is uh, in chapter 5 of Galatians, verses 19 and 21. The Apostle Paul writes this. He says, you know what? If you don't stay connected, this is what you produce in your own self. The results are very clear. There'll be sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like this. If you live your life yourself and you are the master, then you do whatever pleases you. And these are the things that eventually show. But the beauty of what Jesus is saying is that you can stay connected to me. You can listen to the word. You can obey what I have to say. And you will begin to produce fruit. My kind of fruit. And it's mentioned in Galatians 5, and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in us. It's love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. But again, what Jesus was saying to his friends, you must stay connected. You must stay connected if you are going to bear fruit. You can't do abundant life. You can't experience joy unless you stay connected. Now, last week, I uh, introduced to you what I call a two-circle, perhaps I should call it a three-circle diagram. If you have your bulletins, we've put one of those again in there. We tried to make it a little bit clearer for you. But if for some reason you did not get the explanation, you can go online and get last week's message. But I'm going to give you just kind of a quick overview for those maybe just to remind us. Really, the way that um, at least is helpful. Now, now, remember, this is only a diagram. This is only an illustration. All right. This just helps me understand what abundant living looks like. When you come to the cross, you immediately go into two circles. There's a blue circle, and I call that position. You're a child of God. Once you're a child of God, you're a child of God. You're a son and you're a daughter, and you get to enjoy the benefits of a heavenly father. But you also go into what I call a green circle. Now, not literally, remember. But it's called a connected circle or your walk circle. 
And as you continually stay connected to the vine, as you stay in fellowship with God, as you are spirit-led, as you are obedient, God begins to produce fruit in you. He chips away the things that need to be chipped away. And he prunes perfectly in best order and, and knows the timing terrifically. But each one of us sin. There are times we rebel against God. There's times we refuse to obey God. And at that moment, sin disconnects us. Or we jump into this black circle. And in that circle, we're living apart from God's power. The beautiful, I guess, way that God does it is that He wants a relationship with us, but we need to confess our sin. 1 John 1, 9, one of the most amazing verses in all of the Scripture. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As soon as that happens, we jump back into the green circle. Again, not trying to make this complicated, but when you're in the green circle, when you're connected with God, you're walking with God. You're remaining in Him. When we sin... We live life apart from God. We're disconnected from God. He is still living in our lives, but He's not able to influence us. Remember, it's all about remaining connected and bearing fruit. Joy comes when you're connected. It doesn't matter about circumstances if you're in that green circle. God will give you the strength and the ability to bear fruit in spite of all the situations or circumstances. Now, if you choose to do life apart from God, literally our text says, you die. You die. The branch is not part of that vine. Now, let me just give you just a little bit of an illustration. Some of you noticed I have a dead branch up here. Well, this came in, the, in my backyard. There was quite a big storm, and there was an apple tree uh, that was, uh, well, quite large. Now it's not as large anymore, is all I'm saying. And this branch broke, and if I could see that next picture, there's just a stump, all right? And that's my beautiful apple tree, or Sharon and my beautiful apple tree, um, and at that time, it was, well, little, I don't know, baby apples on it. Uh, little, little kind of hints of fruit that we'll be able to enjoy in just a little bit, right? Isn't that how it works, you know? Well, as soon as this branch was torn, was severed, I went out in my backyard yesterday and just took this branch. And... You can see the next one. I'm showing you. There's the apples. This will not make apple pie. This will not be good to eat. This will not be good for anything. This is all dried up. And this is exactly what Jesus was trying to say. If you choose to live your life apart from the vine, this is the kind of fruit you can expect. This is how beautiful it will look. 
instead of nice green leaves and red apples. You're useless to God at this moment. You're void of joy for you. Dead branches have little use. In fact, Jesus said, only good for a fire and a quick burst for that. Jesus is not saying that you can lose your salvation and that you will be sent to hell. We need to understand as he teaches his disciples and teaches us what he's trying to say. If you stay connected, unbelievable fruit and joy. You stay disconnected, dead leaves and gross fruit. That's it. Now the promise. In the promise, we end up in verse 11. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. The reason your joy and my joy will overflow? Wow. It's because we remain in Him. And we bear much fruit. You know what's interesting is that oftentimes there are certain trees, at least in my backyard, and I have some peach trees and I have some apple trees, but sometimes I have abundant crops. Other times I have one or two apples. And I just wonder, and, and my neighbors will come and tell me, say, hey, Rick, don't worry about it. Next year will be completely different. That tree will just be chock full. And they've been right so far. I don't know why sometimes I have great crops and sometimes I don't. But I know this, is that I'm not the one producing the fruit. And I think that's really what Jesus was trying to say. You remain in me. I don't know what kind of fruit you're going to have. I don't know when it's going to come. I don't know what you need pruned away. I don't know if there's some good things in your life right now, really moral things, wonderful things, that I need to prune away so that you might be able to be more dependent on me, that you might be able to grow in different areas. You know, every one of us love comfort. And although trees aren't human, I think. I don't think it hurts them when they get cut. But I know this, for me, when God prunes me perfectly in his right timing, I never like it. I never do. I always think I know more than God, or I know better than God, or the timing. God, why did you allow this? Or how come you took this away? Or, or, God, I don't understand. And we can have a lot of questions for God. But God is sovereign, God is amazing, and God is perfect, and God is our good, good Father. And He knows perfect timing, or has perfect timing. So the promise Remain in me and you will bear fruit. Not sure when and not sure how much. 
Remain in me and you will have power and authority in prayer. Remain in me and you will bring God great glory. You will reflect God well. Wherever you go, whatever you do, whatever mission or assignment God has given you, if you remain in me. In fact, you and I can't do anything if we are a disconnected branch. Well, just as a branch depends entirely on the vine for life, for sustenance, for growth and fruit, so believers depend completely on the divine Lord as a source of their spiritual life and effect. And just as a branch cannot bear fruit unless it's connected to the vine, so believers cannot bear spiritual fruit apart from their life-giving union with Jesus. You know, as I wrap up our text for today, this is a text that Jesus again shared so he shared in a, in a way where he, he was just hoping that his disciples would remember this. To me, it's become a really a favorite text. It's so easy for me, first of all, to understand, but it's so easy for me to teach others. Because so often, again, we want to do the work. We want to perform. We want to get the accolades. And Jesus just said this, stay connected with me. Stay connected with me. When you do, you'll know when you sin and you can confess it quickly and repent. Stay connected with me because you can have confidence in the circumstances and the situations of life. Sure, you may not like them. But if you are staying connected, your God will be able to walk with you and encourage you, and you'll be able to have joy in spite of this. You know, this is really a favorite wedding text of mine, John 15. In fact, the last time I talked about John 15 was right on this platform a few months back when Becca and Derek Talbot were married. Now, again, they didn't get the full sermon there, although I'm pretty sure they wanted it. (laughs) What I wanted to say is this. Do you realize that no matter what relationship in life, no matter what situation you're in, you will never be the husband you could be without staying connected to the vine. You'll never be the worker You will never be the dad or the mom. You will never be, and you put it in, unless you stay connected to the vine. Jesus loves you and desires for you to experience all the benefits of his love because he knows that that is abundant living. That's huge grapes humongous grapes, sweet grapes, grapes that you would just love to eat. Not little scrawny grapes. Not withered up grapes. Not sour grapes. 
but abundant, full grapes. Stay in His loving arms. Stay connected to the vine. Again, quickly, how? Confess your sin quickly. Stay in the Word. Obey His voice. Then you will be filled with Christ's joy. And that joy will overflow. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for giving us your word. I thank you that we have recorded some of your intimate conversations. You love these guys like crazy. You had just spent years with them, encouraging them, helping them see what kingdom living is all about. And during the last few minutes and hours with them, you talked about a vine, a vine dresser and branches. You knew their lives would be difficult. You knew that life would be tough. But you also knew where joy would come from. Staying connected with you is critical, God. Give us your eyes. Help us see areas when we disconnect. Don't let us wallow in our rebellion and our sin. Convict us boldly and quickly so that we might remain connected. In Jesus' name, amen.